the rest of us, we are going to be looking in uh, Genesis chapter 4. This morning, um, Pastor Carr is, is not feeling well, so I am here in his place. And one thing that I want uh, to point out to you is I am continuing uh, Pastor Carr's series on origins, uh, but I am not preaching uh, Pastor Carr's message. So uh, this message is not called The Fallout, uh, though it deals with uh, the, the same, um, same passage and same uh, topics, uh, this, pass- this uh, sermon is entitled, God's Grace in Our Mess. <clears throat> I'm getting a little bit of a scratchy throat too, so I might be drinking a lot of, a lot of water. I would like to begin this morning with a little bit of a, a story. Um, I saw on uh, Facebook this morning a pastor friend of mine um, had shared uh, this about him. So he is uh, kind of doing a test run uh, on wearing a clerical collar. Uh, so the clerical collar is the collars that, that priests uh, wear. Um, some other evangelical um, or, or Protestant pastors will wear them. But it's kind of a new old thing uh, that some, uh, some Presbyterian pastors are, are trying to wear those collars again. And kind of the idea is that when, when they're out and about, it's a way that people can identify them as, well, they're a, a pastor or, or something of that sort. Um, to see what kinds of gospel conversations uh, might come about. Um, from wearing of that clerical collar. So he was out and about wearing his, his collar, and a kid comes up to him and expresses that he feels so ashamed. And he feels ashamed uh, because he had gotten involved and taken advantage of in, in some sort of financial uh, scam. And, and the kid says, I feel so ashamed that I, I don't feel like I can go back home because I can't face my family. I can't deal uh, with the shame that they will have uh, for me. And, and so my pastor friend, he, he explained to them about God's grace and, and the gospel and, and said, you know, the only thing that we really have to be ashamed about is our sin. And, and, and Christ died for us so, so that we may be forgiven of our sin and we, and we don't have to have that shame. And he prayed with this kid, and he left. And then he expressed uh, on Facebook that the pastor uh, felt shame because he didn't feel like he took the opportunity as well as he could have. He said it would have been a great opportunity to be able to share with him about the prodigal son story and how the father's love is, is unconditional and and he asked for prayer that, that he would be better prepared the next time this comes around. And I share this story uh, because often we feel the shame. And I am reminded um, in, the, in Jerry Bridges' book, The Gospel for Real Life, 
Um, and it talks about how as Christians, we really shouldn't feel shame. And when we feel shame, it is because we don't really understand the gospel. Because God's love is so big and it's so good and it's so unconditional that when we, we sin, if we are a believer, it's already taken care of. Our Christ has already died for us and it has already uh, covered that sin. And so we don't have to feel the shame. This morning's message, we are continuing the series on the origins. And we are going to be looking in to the messiness and, and how, much, uh, of a sin, how much sin comes into the, quick, the picture. In this origin series, we are looking at the big uh, picture of things and the big picture of how it all began. Many of us have heard these stories and, and, and a lot of us have heard these stories over and over again and we understand the gist of, of what these stories mean. However, it is important, it is essential for us to understand how this all fits in to the big picture, that these aren't stories that are separated from the rest of the scripture, but they are all tied in. And these stories are really God's story. God's story of how he works with his, within, with his people. God's story of how he loves his people and unconditionally loves them. And how he saves his people. I want to bring to your attention that though we are studying the story of Cain and Abel... This story of Cain and Abel is not really about Cain and Abel. And I don't mean by that that Cain and Abel aren't the characters or the people that this story deals with because they are. But I say that because this passage is really a story about God and about how God is loving his people. And it's not going to be through Cain and Abel that he continues his people but it's going to be this restoration with Adam and Eve and continuing uh, to show God's goodness and God's mercy through them. So in the first few chapters, we have uh, gone from God making everything. And in the beginning was God. And God created everything and he created all things to be very good, including us. He created us good. But then Adam and Eve sinned against God, which brings God, God's good creation into a really big mess. However, even in this mess, even in God's judgment for the mess that we have created, His love shines through. His utter mercy and his utter graciousness is, is extremely evident. And today we are going to see how quickly the situation, uh, how quickly it gets messy and how, how quickly that sin invades this world. But at the same time, we see God's goodness continue as he invites us into relationship. And as he invites us 
into a state of repentance. So we're going to start with talking about the mess. And talking about the mess, we are going to read this passage. So I would like to invite everyone to stand, if you are able, for the reading of God's word. Genesis chapter 4. Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, and Cain a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground, And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. But for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry and his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? And why has your face fallen? If you do well... Will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. Cain spoke to Abel, his brother, and when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel, your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground, and now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it shall no longer yield to you its strength. You shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, you have driven me today away from the ground, and from the face I shall be hidden. I shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth, and whoever finds me will kill me. Then the Lord said to him, Not so. If anyone kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord put a mark on Cain, lest any who found him should attack him. Then Cain went away from the presence of the Lord and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. Cain knew his wife, and she conceived and bore Enoch. When he built a city, he called the name of the city after the name of his son, Enoch. To Enoch was born Irad, and Irad fathered Mehuyol, and Mehuyol fathered Methushel, and Methushel fathered Lamech. And Lamech took two wives... The name of one was Adah, and the name of the other Zillah. Adah bore Jabal. He was the father of those who dwell in tents and, and have livestock. His brother's name was Jubal. He was the fa- father of all those who play the lyre and pipe. Zillah also bore Tubal-Cain. He was the forger of all instruments of bronze and iron. The sister of Tubal-Cain was Namah. Lamech said to his wives, Adah and Zillah, Hear my voice, you wives of Lamech. Listen to what I say. I have killed a man for wounding me, a young man 
for striking me. If Cain's revenge is sevenfold, then Lamech's is seventy-sevenfold. And Adam knew his wife again, and she bore a son and called his name Seth. For she said, God has appointed for me another offspring instead of Abel, for Cain killed him. To Seth also a son was born, and he called his name Enosh. At that time, people began to call upon the name of the Lord. At that time, people began to call upon the name of the Lord. Let us pray. Father, we thank you this morning for your words. We thank you for your grace and your mercy upon us who are sinners. Lord, as we enter into your word, we pray that you will make it real to our lives, Lord, because your word is always good and it is always relevant. Lord, we pray that you will help us to understand and that you will help us to live according to your words. Lord, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Romans 6.23 says, The wages of sin is death, and the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The wages of sin is death, and the gift of God is eternal life. When God gave to Adam the command to not eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, he made it clear that the consequences of disobedience would be death. And as the great deceiver tempts Eve, Satan says, you will not surely die. And as the evil one often does, he disguises this lie with a hint of truth. You will not surely die. And Adam and Eve... They don't immediately die, but their sin, it it ushers death into this world. And in Scripture, our first report of this death comes by way of the sacrifices of Cain and Abel. Cain works the ground, so he brings an offering from the fruit of his garden, and he offers that to God, and Abel... Abel takes care of sheep. And the scripture specifically says that Abel brings, that Abel brought the fat portions from the firstborn of his flock. And then verses 4 and 5 say, The Lord had regard for Abel's, but no regard for Cain's. Why did God have regard for Abel's offering, but not Cain's. It is in this why that we begin to see God's goodness. God's goodness in inviting us into relationship with him. For the difference between Cain and Abel isn't in the offerings themselves, but it is in that relationship that Abel has with God. We recall that God made all things good. But because of the fall, the world 
is a huge mess. The theological for, term for that huge mess, or as the confession uh, talks about, it, the, that estate of sin and misery that we are left in, the theological term is total depravity. And total depravity doesn't mean that we are as bad as we could possibly be. Rather, total depravity means that every part of us and every part of the world that we're in has been affected by the fall. And so even those good things, those things that we, that we want to do good and, and be a part of, because of the messiness, because of the fall, even those have a hint of mess in them, of a hint of badness, a hint of, of wrongness. Everything has been affected by the fall. Hebrews 11.4 says, By faith, Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as a righteous man. And when God spoke well of his offerings, and by faith, he still speaks, even though he is dead. See, the primary thing that sets Abel's offering apart is that Abel had faith. And that means, in essence, that he believed in God. He believed what God had said and what God had commanded. John Calvin says, However excellent were the works of the saints, it was from faith they derived their value, their worthiness, and all their excellences. And hence follows what he has already intimated, intimated that the fathers please God by faith alone. And this is what happens with Abel. He pleases God by faith, by belief. What Calvin is saying here isn't that Abel's offering was necessarily better, but that Abel had faith and therefore believed that because of his sin, that he must offer this sacrifice in order to restore that relationship because he loved God and because he wanted to be able to worship God in the right way. So he would offer the sacrifices so that his relationship would continue and he could worship God. It isn't specifically written here, but God had evidently commanded for Adam and Eve and for those that would come after that because of their sin... They were to make offerings to God. They were supposed to bring of, of their fruits or, or of, of, their, of their livestock. And they were to, to offer them before God as, as restitution and to bring restoration to the relationship. Because they were separated. They were broken off from relationship to God. And it appears here. ...that Abel believed God. And so he offered his sacrifice because he loved him. And Cain, it appears, offered not because of faith... ...not because of love for God or value for God... ...but rather because he was supposed to. 
It was his duty. So, so Cain did what he was supposed to. He outwardly did all the things that he was supposed to do, but in the heart, he had fallen short. How often do we fall short, as Cain did? How often do we simply we, we come to church merely because we're supposed to? It's our duty as Christians to come to church, so we do it. It's our duty to read our Bibles or, or to pray, and, and so we do those things that we're supposed to do and the commands that God gives us. We don't do them because we love God so much, but we do them because that's who we are, it's what we're supposed to do. Again, Calvin says here, kind of brashly, but very truthfully, as it relates to 1 Samuel 16, in a place where it says that man looks at outward appearance, but God looks into the heart. John Calvin says, he estimates works no otherwise than as they proceed from the fountain of the heart. Whence also it happens that he not only rejects, but abhors the sacrifices of the wicked. However splendid they may appear in the eyes of men. For if he who is polluted in his soul by his mere touch contaminates with his own impurities things otherwise pure and clean, how can that but be impure which proceeds from himself? What he's saying here is that that Cain's sacrifice, it may have been a good sacrifice. It may have looked like good fruit and, and nothing been wrong with it at all. It may have been good or even great to eat, but because of Cain's relationship with God, because of Cain's lack of, of faith here by his mere hands and by his personhood, it contaminates that offering. And so it's not acceptable to God. I don't know about you, but this really makes me want to think about how I approach my God. How am I worshiping Him? How often am I falling short of worshiping Him because I dearly love my God, but I'm just doing those things that I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to come to church. I'm supposed to read my Bible. I'm supposed to, uh, I'm supposed to do all the, these commandments. And, and is that why I'm doing it? Or what's going on in my heart or life that I need to lay down right now so that I can come to God and worship Him in love and in right relationship? From here, from this point, things go downhill very quickly. However, even as they go downhill, God offers this, God offers a chance for repentance. He never lets go, but he offers this chance of repentance as it gets down to the deepest, darkest 
place. So that then Cain, he becomes angry with God. Because his sacrifice was not accepted, but, but his brother's was. So he becomes angry with God and he becomes jealous with his brother. And so he talks to his brother and then he rose up against his brother and he killed him. And now whereas death had come into the world in the mere form of sacrifices and they were offering those sacrifices for restitution and to be in right relationship, now death comes into the world through, through murder. And it comes to Adam and Eve's world in the worst possible way. For those of you who are parents, I know you can really uh, grasp how that is, but especially those of you who are parents who have lost a child. Because here, Adam and Eve, they lose their son, and it's because of the sin of one of their other sons. Wouldn't it have been better for Adam and Eve in their, in their feelings, in their hearts, in their emotions, if God had just taken them away and, and, and killed them on the spot when they first sinned? The pain of dealing with the loss of their child must have been much greater, much more painful than if God had just taken them. However, even in this, there is a hint of God's mercy because God is not done with Adam and Eve. And I want to remind you here at this point that this story is not really about Cain and Abel. This story is about God and how he loves his people. Here we see God's invitation to repentance, though, with Cain. To be clear, repentance is the recognizing that we are sinners. And it is the turning away from our sin and, and recognizing, I've done wrong before God. I need to stop doing that, turn away from my sin, and turn towards God in faith. Just as God had spoken to Adam and Eve in their own sin in the garden, now God approaches Cain. Cain, where is your brother? And very reminiscent of Adam and Eve, Cain tries to hide from the truth. I, I, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? And real quick, that question. Am I my brother's keeper? If they were one in Christ, if they were brothers in Christ, the answer is absolutely yes. You are your brother's keeper. It is our responsibility as brothers and sisters in Christ to encourage one another, to speak truth to each other's life, to hold each other accountable, and to say, you know what, you're, you're messing up here. You're, you're falling away from God. You need to turn back towards him. We are our brothers and our sisters keeper. It is our responsibility to speak the truth in love 
into our brothers and sisters' lives. But God, God doesn't respond in that way. God responds as a good shepherd, good, good pastor, good, good counselor or, or father. And he asks this question that, that goes a little bit deeper. It's kind of it's the question that is beyond the question to get the, at the heart, at the root of the issue. Cain, what have you done? No more hiding. The truth is out. Might as well talk about it. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation, most teenagers have, by the way, uh, a situation where you've been kind of, you've done something wrong, and then you lie to cover it up, and then you lie to cover it up, and then you lie to cover it up, and then you lie to cover it up. And you get so far down the lies and, and the hurt that you feel trapped. That you have to just keep doing it so that people don't think badly of you. Or, or that your world doesn't fall apart. And then it comes out. Somebody asks that question that reveals they know what's really going on. And finally, it's like a little of that weight is taken off of your shoulders, off your heart. It's like all this building up, you just really wanted somebody to find out so that you weren't covering it up or hiding or putting on that mask and pretending each day. It's kind of like what is happening right here. Cain isn't able to hide from it any longer. But I take you back to the verse in Romans. And this is where you respond. I want you to fill in the blank. The wages of sin is... But the gift of God is eternal... Eternal life. In Ephesians 2, we clearly see God's loving mercy. It says... And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, God being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. Here it is clear that we are all sinners. Even if you are a Christian now, you were once, and I was once, living in sin, and, and, and we were all children of wrath, worthy of death, created good, but utterly messed up because of our sin. 
but God being rich in mercy. And because of his great love for us, he made us alive even while we were dead in our sins. So here, this is Cain's chance. Cain, what have you done? Remember, repentance is recognizing our sin and turning back towards God. And here we see in the story of Cain that God speaks to Cain and his utter sinfulness with with discipline, yet mercy at the same time. In the discipline, God curses Cain that the ground will no longer produce strength for him and that he will be a wanderer cut off from his family. And Cain finally realizes and he cries out, this punishment is more than I can bear. This punishment is more than I can bear. Friends, it is right here at this point, when we are at this point in our lives, in our hurt, in our brokenness, when we can really realize, I can't do it anymore. This is too much for me. I need God to save me. Sadly, it doesn't work that way for Cain. Repentance is recognizing their sin and turning back towards God. And Cain gets so deep and and he realizes that this punishment is too much for him. But he says, behold, you have driven driven me today away from the ground and from your face. I shall be hidden. I shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on earth. And whoever finds me will kill me. Instead of turning back towards God, Cain turns away. But even in God's mercy, he says, it's not so. He marks him with a mark and says, no man will kill you. But now he gets to live longer, but he has to live with the the grief, the sorrow the pain that he had killed his brother. In verse 16, says, Then Cain went away from the presence of the Lord. Cain went away from the presence of the Lord. That broken relationship that we talked about when man was cut off from God, Relationship was severed, and Cain's is now. However, I remind you again, the story isn't about Cain and Abel. The story is about God and his people, and God being rich in mercy. God continues his work with Adam and Eve. And God blessed Adam and Eve with another son, Seth. And he called, and he called, and and had a, And Seth had a son that he called Enosh. And verse 26 says, At that time, people began to call on the Lord. 
at that time, people began to call on the Lord. In this story, we see how much we are really like Cain. How our lives are, are broken. Our lives are messy. And even in the good things that we often we, we touch and, and we mess them up. However, our God never stops working. Our God never stops calling us to repentance and to a right relationship with Him. However, today things are a little different. Because Jesus has come. Jesus lived and He died and He rose again. Jesus lived a perfect life and then He died and paid the consequences of the sin for all those who would believe. Therefore, we no longer have to offer the sacrifice as Cain and Abel did. However, God still does look at the heart. We must truly believe in Him and turn away from our own sins so that we may be restored. And when we do this, we have life, and we have life to the fullest. And the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. The Bible says that if we confess with our mouth and believe in our hearts that Jesus is Lord, then we will be saved. The caveat there is it's not just confessing with our mouth, but it's truly believing in our heart. That Jesus is Lord. Abel believed in that way. And according to to this passage with, with Enosh, that the people, they started to believe in this way once again. As they called upon the name of the Lord. This table is a reminder.